We started this book a few years ago, um, and the reason that I did is because uh, it was purely selfish, because I want to teach 2 Corinthians. And you can't really teach 2 Corinthians if you don't lay out 1 Corinthians. And then as I dove into it, I'd like to tell you that I had this great major plan, but I never do, because uh, that is never really a strong suit of mine, planning. And what he has shown me in this text is holiness. Okay? Because we have, if I were to ask each and every one of you separately what is holiness and give you, ask you a definition, I would probably get as many definitions as there are people. And yet this whole book is dealing with holiness, your personal holiness, and how does that holiness interact with... I find it interesting, um, this was a text that I think that we can give our, our, our brother, uh, Tom knows, Nicholas Piotrowski, uh, because in verse 32, uh, God's word says there's three kinds of people. And I think Nicholas has kind of reverted back that there's two kinds of people. Uh, there isn't. There's three kinds of people. There are Jews, Greeks, and the church, which in great implications for my brother Nicholas. Uh, pray for me because I get to see him this summer and I, I do love tormenting him anyway um but when we think about this in my interaction how do i interact in the church how do i interact with gentiles how do i interact with jews okay because there are three people and you will deal with them i don't care who you are or what you deal with you will cross these three people they may manifest themselves in a little different ways but this is an amazing text for me because what I've watched in the church today is we would rather offend a Christian than offend a lost person. And this text says you better not be doing that. And yet when it's all said and done, he's saying you have freedom that the whole world is looking for. You already have it. But how you exercise that freedom, how you live a life in that freedom will depend, will is the main frame of how you will impact the society that you are in. Be real careful about that. One of the things that I was in awe of in, in Russia is uh, what I call lawlessness. Okay, because uh, I kept asking questions. Uh, we went to a, uh, like a, what I would call it a, uh, a Russian flea market, which was, it was downtown Moscow, and, and it was just vendors all over the place selling all kinds of stuff. And, and I found these white fox skins. Okay? Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, big. I mean, without the tail this long. Tanned and, and all the rest of it. So my question is, can I take this out of the country? And the answer was always the same. No matter what it was I asked. I don't know. And I was like... Well, I don't really want to spend, and I'm not even going to tell you how much it was because I feel guilty that I didn't buy them because it really wasn't going to be that big a loss. But uh, anyway, I think it was going to cost me $10 a pelt. Uh, okay. and But I was going to have a whole bag of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They'd have thought I was a furrier or something. But anyway, um, but I, I just it was, and I kept saying, well, why not? What, can't you tell me? The, the little stackable dolls? Um, can I take these out of the country? 
Because I was given information that antiquities, uh, things that are dear and, and possessed by Russia, the country, you can't take out and they'll, they'll seize them from you. And so I was trying to get an answer on how do I get this out? And I couldn't get any answers. It was all, oh, no. Okay, then I watched the traffic cops. Okay, the traffic cops set up this way. There's two of them. They have a blue uniform on and they wear a, a, a police-looking hat and orange vest. One guy's got a, a, a ticket pad. Another guy's got a little stick with a little red reflector on it. And they just stand out by the edge of the road and... Whoever he wants to stop, he sticks that reflector out and you have to pull over. Okay? And you will get a ticket. Okay? That's what they told me. You will get a ticket. I said, for what? He said, whatever they want to write it for. Okay? If you don't stop, you have this great big license plate. It's about that long. It's about that high. Great big bold numbers. They come that night and take your car and you can't get your car back ever. They will sell your car for whatever they deem necessary. Normally, if the cop stops you and you have to pull over, um, 200 to 300 rubles, you won't get a ticket. Okay, now you look at that and think, my God, that's a lot of money. About $8. <laughs> okay? But for them, that's a lot of money. All right? So how do they decide who to pull over? And the guy smiled at me. He says, it's easy. If you have a Lada coming down the road and a BMW, you stop the BMW. Okay, because a Lada is the Russian car, and I don't know what it is made from. But I, as big as Russians are, you'd think they'd make bigger cars, but they didn't make big cars. But if you come down the road and you have a, a foreign car, you're going to get stopped if they feel like stopping you. Why? Because you can afford... The ticket. All right, you know what's amazing about that? Nobody in Russia cares. They're not protesting. They don't go out and get a lawyer. They don't jump up and down and say, they just smile and say, it's Russia. Now, think about that in America. What would happen? Oh, gee, is right. All right, we would be doing what? We sue now. For what? I spilled my coffee. Uh, you looked at me crooked. You should have looked at me crooked. Uh, you're, you're a different color. You're different height. You're different this. You're di I'm suing. Why? I don't know. Okay? What happens in the church? Christians are the freest people on the planet Earth. Did you know that? And when our freedom is crossed, what's our response? I've already dealt with litigation. He's already dealt with it. You're suing each other. You're taking people before the court of lost people. And Paul is showing us here through Holy Scripture that how in the wisdom of your freedom you conduct yourself will shout way louder than running around demanding your rights. And I've seen that in Russia because the Christians there, they just smile about everything. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, they ain't got nothing. And you know what? I'm thankful. Because God used that to show me 
um, the condition of the church in America. Because, let me ask you a question. Do you think that the church today is consumer-minded? Do you? Now, be careful. Be, be real, real, real careful. Because a lot of people want to say that. Okay? And a lot of people say, well, I've been to other churches and they're consumer-minded. But I've got to ask you a question. How about you? When you go to church, why? Why do you go to church? Okay? Simple question. I mean, I go to church because I have to teach a Sunday school class. I go to church because it's my Sunday in the nursery. I go to church because why do I go to church? Why do you go to church? Because that's what this text is dealing with. I, I'm, you know, and I'm not here to hurt anybody, but I do want you to understand this. Okay, because we're looking at verses 23 through 30. The wisdom of our freedom. My freedom says, do I have to be in church when the doors open? No. Your freedom says, absolutely. You're free in Christ. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we looked at verse 23 last week. and It says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Not all things will actually have a benefit to it. All things are lawful, but not all things what? Edify. They don't edify. They don't strengthen. Okay? Um, edification... This is last week. Edification over gratification. Let me ask you a question. How do we do when it comes to self-gratification over edification? How do we do? I don't need you to think about your, your husband, your wife, your kids. I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about you. How do you do when it comes to strengthening versus... My gratification. I would argue that the church today, single focus, single focus, is self-gratification. Okay? Let me share, share with you. I think this church is guilty of self-gratification. Okay? Here's why I say that. We have a desire for knowledge. But in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, knowledge does what? Puffs up. Makes you... <laughs> big bag of air is what the Greek word is. But it says, what happens with love? It edifies. It edifies. Right? Look at what we do in the churches today. Um, with gratification. When a person goes and looks for a church, what do they look for? I'm looking for a church. Yeah, yeah, you've, had, you've had people come and have visited here. What do they look for? If you were to go look for a church, what would you look for? And I would argue that for most of us, it would be for something for my gratification how will it affect me okay I, listen we can do it simplistically well if they're preaching the word 
And I'm going to be strengthened by the word. Therefore, I'm looking for a church that preaches the word. Hey, listen, that's admirable. That is very admirable. Okay, and let me tell you something. You really, (laughs) if you're looking for a church, that should be high on the list. But when I visit other churches, other congregations, I never look at what can I get, but what am I here to give? Well, you're a Bible teacher, preacher, dude thing. You're supposed to be that way. Ain't a child of God who isn't supposed to be that way. Why? It strengthens. If you're strengthening others, you know what? It has an amazing effect of strengthening you. When I was in Russia, uh, I I wasn't really sure what I was going to deal with there, but what I found was these are not theological idiots. These are not dumb people. You, You don't have to sit down and explain to them, well, what does justification mean? Okay, uh, they have a very strong handle on uh, how salvation is and what does it look like. Actually, I believe that they have a better handle on salvation than the church in America does. Um, uh, the second coming of Christ. Uh, the, you know why they have a great handle on Scripture? They read it and believe it. How many in America today want to analyze it? And what was he trying to say? And what was the culture? And was it cultural? And who was he talking? And is it in the is it in the present tense imperative? Is this aorist? What does it mean? Is this middle voice? Is this what? And we do that. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. It helps a lot. But too many times we go off on a tangent of dealing with that. And I have to ask myself, what's going on? Let me ask you a question. What do we do with credit cards? If you don't think we're not in Instant gratification. Why did I seen a, a joke, and I think it was in U.S. News or something like that, and it showed the industries of the world. It was a cartoon written that, that the, the Chinese were producing all of this stuff, and the Japanese were producing this, and the Koreans were producing this, and they all had these businesses and industries and stuff like that. And in America, it was refinancing. Okay, this great industry of America was refinancing. Why? No, you know why? It's instant gratification. It's instant gratification. My stepdad, you know, up until uh, just a few years ago, well, actually, even to date, still does not have a credit card. Never has had a credit card. He's borrowed money one time. Did you know that? To buy his house. Paid it off in five years. Well, that was back when, you know, you could buy a house and this and that for this. Let me tell you something. It ain't changed. My stepdad never made the money that we're making. It hasn't changed. You know, he never borrowed money to buy a car. He would keep fixing that old clunker until he got enough money to go pay cash for a new car. Why? He grew up in a time where instant gratification was... You had food. And I've been gratified. And I argue that this day the church is no different. That the church is no different. We also have marketing. I mean, he didn't have TV that hits you with... You know, I used to think that cable TV was so you didn't have commercials. What happened to that philosophy? Okay? 
I mean, why? Because they're hitting you with what? All kinds of stuff. Why? Because I need to gratify myself. I need to gratify myself. But the thing is, is that when you're going through this, are you really being built up? Um, when we make decisions based on our freedom, there is no neutral. Okay? There are children, the young people in this room today, um, live in a state of neutral. Did you know that? They're not doing anything positive or negative. They're just neutral. Are you strengthening yourself? Yeah. How? Uh, I learned how to download onto my iPod. And that strengthened you how? That's crazy because uh, I, uh, I got an email from Ligonier, R.C. Sproles, and he's selling iPods with his messages on them. <laughs> $300, you can get a 60-gig iPod with all of Sproul on it. <laughs> well, there's something you just don't see every day. But, but, it, but do you see what we're doing? Too many young people today are shifted into neutral. I am breaking the law, but what am I doing to strengthen? Well, nothing. But I see some adults who do that too. What is the profit in the decision I'm making? That's what Paul's dealing with. When you have a decision to make. Now, now remember, I'm not talking about something that the Bible is explicitly for or against. Please understand. I'm talking about something the Bible doesn't talk about. Is it a sin to have an iPod? Is it a sin to watch TV? Is it a sin to listen to rock and roll music? Is it a sin for a woman to wear slacks in church instead of a dress? What is the sin here? Okay? And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about thou shalt not steal. Okay? That seems pretty easy and you don't have to worry about interpreting it. I'm talking about the gray areas. When I get ready to make that decision, my decision, I have to ask myself, will it strengthen me? Will it... Raise me up. Will it make me stronger for the fight? I gave you these. I'll quickly go through them. First of all, the Word. I have to be in the Word. Okay? You individually have to be in the Word. Why? Paul told the Ephesian elders, I will commit you to the Word of God, which will edify you, strengthen you. All right? You need to be exposed to, secondly, preaching and teaching. Why? That's how God said He's going to do it. It's the hearing of the Word, the preaching of the Word of God. And it needs to be... I'm not talking about storyteller. There are some phenomenal storytellers. There are some phenomenal storytellers that they grab a story and then they'll go find a Bible verse to prove the story. That's... uh, I'm talking about contextual, thematic, the theme... What is the theme? Expositional, explaining it, making the sense of it. Why? Because if I am in my own study of God's Word, and I'm exposing myself to biblical explanation, biblical exposition, then out of that will come love. The love that God has already, past tense, poured into the hearts of His people, it will overflow out of those two. You've got to have those two. Why? He says, 8-1, knowledge makes arrogant. 
Love what? Edify, strengthen. Why? You pour your love out on people. But listen, you have to pour it out in the context of Scripture, of what God through the Holy Spirit led man is preaching to you. Okay? Then out of that will come obedience. Out of that will come obedience. Service, ministry. Listen, if you don't do the first three, you don't have to worry about ministry. Here's one of the things that happens in the church. I said edification over gratification. All right? We want to go do ministry. Why? Why? Why do we want to go do ministry before we study our word? Why do we want to go do ministry before I'm willing to sit and listen to preaching and teaching? Why do I want to go do ministry before I'm willing to love as Christ's love? Gratification. Gratification. Makes, you know what? That's no different than Mother Teresa. No difference. It's no difference. Why? You're going to do it your way. And we already dealt with this a few weeks ago, and that is idolatry. Israel came out of the wilderness, or, came, or went, went out to Mount Sinai. Remember, Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, and it says they built a golden calf unto Elohim. They were worshiping the true God their way. Too many people want ministry first without the work that goes before it. All right? Because... It is through that, through your personal study of the Word, through the preaching and teaching. You've got to understand preaching and teaching. God supernaturally empowers preachers and teachers for what reason? For the edification of the saints, for the equipping of the saints, for the strengthening of the saints, so that they'll do what? They'll minister. And if you're not willing to do that, then hey, hey, let's be realistic about it. Why? The church, when we gather together, is a manifestation of Jesus Christ that shines its brightest. Okay? Now, if you don't feel like you're shining, then I will give you, you go back to the other four. Are you faithful to preaching and teaching? Are you faithful for, to your own study? Are you faithful to just fall head over heels in love with every breath you've got of Jesus Christ? Listen, if you're not in the Word and you're not under preaching and teaching, you're not in love. Got that? Because Jesus will show you His love, how? Through His Word. It's love letters. And if you've ever been separated from your, your sweetie for any given time before email and telephones and all the rest of it, what did you look forward to? Love letters. I've seen love letters that my mom wrote when my dad was in Korea. I've seen letters that my mom wrote to my dad when he was in Vietnam. I've seen those letters. And they meant something. My dad cherished those. Why? Because he saw the heart of the woman he loved. How many of you love Jesus? Let's move to verse 24. Look what this says. This is, freaks me out. Let no one seek his own good. Some of your translations may say wealth. Bad translation. Why? What's the context? Equipping, strengthening, edifying, right? Let no one seek after his own good, but that of his... I, Depending on your translation, it may say neighbor or other or whatever, but other, you, get, you get the idea of it, right? Seek after who? 
look at the context. When it comes to choosing what builds me up, what builds up another? Which one do you choose? Well, that's what the Bible says. But let's be realistic about it. When it comes to building me up, or if it comes to building up another, who's first? Well, you know, preacher, if I'm not strengthened, then how am I going to strengthen anybody else? Well, if you don't think you're strengthened, then you'll never think you're strengthened. And guess what? You'll never help anybody else. And you know what you look like? The world. Okay? You don't believe me? Why do we teach our children to say thank you? Why do we teach our children to go, well, you need to go help that neighbor because they're really older. And they, they may need to help with their groceries or things like that. But you've got to go tell them to do it. Why do you do that? It's not in their nature. Sorry. That is a supernatural nature that causes that. Okay? Opening the door for your wife in her car. We did that when we were dating. But by golly, we're married now. She can figure it out. Huh? I mean, I showed her all them years we dated. Right? Why did we do it? I, man, I tell you what, this text is so practical today that it is amazing to me. Why? Are others more important than myself? Okay, now I know we're all sitting here. It's Sunday morning. We're all hanging out. We figured out how to get through the barricades and all the rest of it. And I'm feeling really blessed because, you know, I made it. And look here, life is good. And oh, yeah, everybody's more important. All right. But do we really do what builds up the others? Do we? Well, how do I build up others? I already told you. It's through the word. To the preaching and teaching of the Word? What's the third one? They call that love. You know what that love means? I'm sacrificing without expecting anything in return. The love that held Jesus Christ on it. You know what that is? The greatest thing for you and I this very day? Time. Time. Am I giving time to the brethren? Okay? It's that simple. Well, I do, but you just don't... Oh, I do understand. I do understand. No one seeks his own. When it comes to a choice, okay, I have to choose. I can do this, and it's not going to offend me. I'm allowed to do this. The Word of God says there's nothing wrong with it. It will not harm me. It's a good thing. It has some benefit to it it's not neutral okay it's a good thing it's going to strengthen me it will build me up but if it's going to offend another what should you do let me show you something here well i'm going to deal with this more intensely you can bet on it in the weeks perhaps years to come but I want you to think about this. Okay, I, I, Tom was teaching on it. I know my wife taught on it. I taught on it when we was closing out the precept study of Romans. And it talks about brotherly love. Family love. 
Okay, let me share with you something about love. Um, <clears throat> if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, got that? Do you hear what he just said? If I sell everything I own, and you, I don't want any of that money, just give it to take care of the poor, and I lay my altar, my life down on the altar to be consumed. Okay? Now, anybody here done that? Okay? If I did that, and I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Okay? Why? Love is patient, he says. Do you know what that means? If you're a parent, you know what that means. If you've ever had kids, you know what that means. Right? But he ain't talking about kids. He ain't talking about really cool people that I like to hang out with. He's not talking about my spouse. A lot of people will read this text before they get married and I'm laughing. Yeah, you big turkey. If you read that before you got married, you'd probably thought twice about it. But you see what I'm saying? It's patient. Do you ever thought about that? Love is only patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It's not puffed up. Does not act unbecoming. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Did you get that? It does not seek its own. Did you hear that? Love does not what? Seek its own. But let me tell you something. If you haven't been in the Word and you haven't been under preaching and teaching, guess what? You ain't got a clue what love is. You haven't got a clue what it is. Because if you study the Word and you're under anointed expository preaching, guess what? Love just runs right over your butt. It does. I mean, when I read this, how many of you are saying, man, Paul was definitely kind of twisted up when he wrote this, huh? Kind of ticked off. You know what I see? I see the love of God saying, explain this. Because the people need to be united. The people need to be set so apart that when they walk the streets, everybody knows that they're different. And it isn't because they're wearing a cross around their neck. It isn't because they got a fish on their bumper or some kind of cute Christian saying. I look at that person and regardless of what's going on in their life, they have a love that says, I am on the altar and I don't ever want to get off the altar and I will do, I will lay my life down even for a stranger. But I gotta ask you a question. If you'll lay your life down for a stranger, what about the brethren? What about these people who are sitting here next to you today? Will you lay your life for them? Well, sure. It doesn't seek my own. It's not provoked. It does not take a wrong suffer. It doesn't keep an account. Funny how that bugger works, huh? Huh? If you've ever been married, you know what I'm talking about. I think that's why women make the greatest accountants. <laughs> See, I can say that. I'm the only one with a microphone. Okay, but you you know what I'm talking about. They remember things. My wife remembers things back. Remember when you gave me that first kiss on that first date back 20 years ago? I don't even know what day it is. And 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 the guy that's the only time I know in in, in the Bible that you better lie <laughs> because you better remember that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that, but do you understand that? How many times do we keep it a wrong? 
You know, that guy in church the other day, he cut me off, and I'm just never going back to that church again. You know, the preacher, I think, was talking directly to me, and I believe he might have even been using me. I ain't going back there again. You know, this is going on. What did you just do? Does not act. <clears throat> Where am I here? Rejoices in truth, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, bears all things, believes all things, hope all things, endures all things. You know what's so cool about love? It never fails. Verse 8. It never fails. Even when it looks like it failed, it never fails. It never fails. Am I doing what is spiritually beneficial for both of us if I can? But if I have to make a decision, love will say, I'll do what is most beneficial for for the other. Sacrifice my liberty? What? Yeah, sacrifice my liberty. That's what Paul is telling you and I. Why? So that... We may be more beneficial. And in loving one another, I have strength and build up myself. But understand that sacrificial love does what? Strengthens everyone to the point you have a biblical promise. It will never fail. Ever. Never. That's what it says. Never fail. Every Christian in their freedom is guided by this wisdom. Did you know that? Well, I didn't know that. You know what? You probably haven't been listening to good biblical preaching and you probably haven't been reading your Bible. Okay? What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How would you go about showing that? Well, I would think that you probably want to be in the Bible at some. It would seem like prayer would be a priority and i hate to use the other one but it's true where's he manifested in the church so i have preaching prayer to church so if i love the lord my god in all heart soul mind and strength you're going to see those three and you know what pours out of that the second greatest commandment love your neighbor as yourself but if you haven't got the first one right, the second one's going to make everybody else miserable, especially your neighbor. <laughs> Isn't it? Why? Because i got to do this. And your neighbor says, yeah, it looks like you've got to do this. And I'm being blessed. Right? Who's your neighbor? Anybody that ain't you. It's simple. Anybody that ain't me is my neighbor. You know, it's hard for us to relate to, to this. I really believe it is. And now, now listen, I'm not talking about the evangelical community of the globe. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you guys, everybody who's here on this blessed day. It's hard for you and I to relate to this. You know why? You exist in a place that selfishness is the dominant issue. So it's dominant in everything. I don't care what it is. Whether it's dating, whether it's relationship, whether it's the husband or the wife, whether it's the children, whether it's work, whether it's... I don't care what it is. Even in ministry, selfishness is the dominant issue. 
And yet Paul says, you need to do, consider others more important than yourself. I, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta share with this. And I, I just want you to stop for a second. Think with me. This, this is simple principles. I mean, this, this doesn't take, uh, great understanding of the Greek language to see what is being said here. Okay. It does frustrate people. When I see people read this and go out and try to do it, <laughs> if it wasn't so important, it's laughable. <laughs> but it's, but it is important. And I was thinking, Okay, now this is just me. This is, you know, this is where I get into the illustration part. What have I ever done that was for or because of someone else in my life? Then I thought about this. What have I ever not done for or because of someone else? See, we can, I guarantee you, if you ask yourself, what have I done for someone else? Some of us can just get, get after it. Write that list down. I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done it. Right? We can just get after it. Use up a whole big old pad of paper. How do you do with what have I not done because of a person? How big is that list? How much have I not felt good? And so I'm blowing off meeting with this person. Well, it's been a long day, long week, long life. So I don't have time. Just questions. This is what I had to ask myself. Something you've given up for someone else. Ask yourself that. I'll I'll phrase it in that. What have you given up for other people? That's brotherly love. For the love of the weaker brethren. What have you given up? Do I do anything for the sake of anyone else? What else? What are you giving up for someone? And I see, be real careful. Because I don't want you to think about giving something up to keep them from stumbling. Okay? Uh, I'll use my illustration of the Cuban cigars. Well, I haven't smoked any Cuban cigars around such and such, and therefore they haven't stumbled. Okay? That's a good one, isn't it? I like that one. You know, I, I, boy, I almost come that close to buying that brand 2005 Corvette, but it caused somebody to stumble. I didn't buy it. Okay? That ain't the way I want you to look at this. Because that ain't what that text says. I'm going to read you the verse again, and I'm going to tell you how this text says. Let no one seek his own good, but that of the neighbor. What have you given up for someone else to strengthen them? That's what the text is saying. See, it's easy to give up. So I don't cause them to stumble. Because, you know, they are a weaker brother. Okay? 
But what are you willing to give up to strengthen? That's powerful. Got me. What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to give up others over self? Remember? Edification over gratification, others over self. What am I willing of my freedom? What I'm allowed to do has a profit to it even maybe. What am I willing to give up of that? Not to cause somebody else to stumble, but to strengthen. I think I shared this with you. I may have shared it with the leadership class. I don't know. Um, You you know that um, we have sort of an involvement with Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church in uh, Southern California. They have uh, three worship services on Sunday morning, and they run about 8,000 per service. Yeah, right around there, about 7,500, somewhere in there. They're wanting to put a balcony in so they can get more. And I can't, you guys are in a earthquake belt. How do you really want to go up? <laughs> I'd, I'd want mine flatter. Anyway, with no roof, it's things to fall on you. Anyway, um, and I, was, I remember talking to John about this one time because they were talking about serving the Lord's table. And if they can serve the Lord's table, they've, I, don't, I think they've got about 500 deacons. And they just get after it, but it is... <laughs> He's throwing crackers and drink up. And they just take a super soaker and open your mouth. And <laughs> no, they don't. I'm just kidding. All right. But he says, it's not that difficult for us to serve the Lord's table to the crowd. And I said, why? Well, he says, the crowd is never much over 2,000 people. And I said, but you got 8,000 every Sunday morning. He says, oh, you don't understand. We never serve the Lord's table on Sunday. We only serve it on Wednesday. Why? If the people can't sacrifice Wednesday night to come out for the Lord's table, then they've completely missed this, the emphasis of what the Lord's table is about. Interesting concept. Interesting concept. I said, well, let me ask you a question. You know me. Do you get more people when you put it in the bulletin that Wednesday night you're doing the Lord's table? He smiled at me and said, yeah. Yeah. He said, but we do not serve it on Sundays. I found that fascinating. Okay? What am I going to do with my freedom? Let me see if I can. I I need to share with you this because how much time I got? I got a little bit of time here. I want to share with you something because there's a verse that a lot of people struggle with, but I want to show you a text, and this is what I talked about during the announcements. Okay? On Wednesday nights, we're studying 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 verse 2, he says, To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Stop right there. That's New American Standard Translation. Uh, It means my genuine, my real child in the faith. Paul knew that Timothy was legit. Okay? He knew that Timothy was truly saved. Okay? How do you know? How do you know? Let me give you a verse that people struggle with. Verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2. And I'll back up because this all falls in here. Because what I'm dealing with is others over self. Okay? Verse 12, I watch people get get a hold of this, and and especially of the, the Arminius ilk kind of do this so then my beloved just as you have always obeyed 
not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, he makes this statement. Here's what Paul says. Work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Well, wait a minute. I thought if you once saved, always saved, and this saved, and this, that, and all the rest of it. Let me ask you a question. Anybody over here ever doubted their salvation? If you go back to the exact time that you doubted your salvation, who was the focus? Others or self? When a Christian rolls headlong into sin, what is his focus? What is the focus of lost people? Self. So if you back this text up and you look at it, it says you need to work out your salvation how? Fear of trembling. One of the things that's missing in the church in America today is we don't have no fear of trembling. Okay, most of the time we talk to God is after 9-11, earthquake in Southern California and Aunt Ethel's condo got squashed or something to that effect, uh, or Uncle Bob got cancer or whatever. But let me share with you something. Paul in chapter 2 says, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete. Paul says, I want my joy to be lacking nothing in its completeness. It lacks nothing anymore. And he says, how am I going to do that, Paul? Being of the same mind. What did did we already study in 1 Corinthians? Were they of the same mind? No. When you're not of the same mind, what has happened? Grab hold of it. When you're not of the same mind. Use the, the picture of a husband and a wife. When the husband and a wife are not of the same mind, what has happened? Is others more important? Well, you don't understand. She's not right. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care. I've seen my wife and I knew she wasn't right, but I also knew I wasn't going to win. (laughs) Right? Hey, listen, I'm going to use this illustration, sweetie. Sorry. When they came, I was through elders training and was going to become an elder. Uh, Two of the guys in there says, Terry, we believe that you've been called to preach the gospel. And I was like, you guys are out of your mind. Okay? You're crazier than loons. All right? So I went home, told my wife. My wife had seen me on the other side. You know, when I was with Darth Vader. (laughs) Okay? In in the, uh, the evil force or whatever. She knew where I had come from. And I went home and told my wife, you know what them crazy birds think? That I've been called to preach the gospel. You know what my wife's response was? Bam! Hit the roof, mattered, and 10,000 wet hens. She was. She looked me right in the eye with love and tenderness and compassion, and she says, I'll have you know I married, I never married no preacher. You know what my response was? Lord, if you're doing this, you better do something with that. <laughs> because that's out of my league. No, my prayer for my wife was, Lord, make her fall in love with the Word. You know what my Lord did? <laughs> Made her fall in love with the Word. You know what happens? It's a lack of crucifying self. He says, I want you to be of the same mind. Why? Maintaining the same love. How? United in the spirit, intent, 
on one purpose. When you have a conflict between your spouse, between another Christian, between the quote-unquote church, do you know what it is? You have missed what the purpose is. Because all of a sudden it has become your purpose. Paul says, now listen, look at what he says in this. This is, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of what? Stop right there. How are you doing? How are you doing this day? Are you looking out for your personal interests? Please don't say no. I've never met a human being who doesn't look out for their personal interests. Okay, so we've got that one settled. All right, how about the next part? How are you doing? Here's what he says. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Okay, then he goes through and lists this. We've read this. You've had this preached probably. Uh, he exists in a form of God. He did not regard equality with God as something to grasp. He, helped, he, temp, he emptied himself. You ask yourself that question. How often do I walk to a situation, a decision, an attitude, an action, a co-worker, a co-laborer, a brother, a sister in Christ, a lost person, a Jew, a Greek, a church member, and I walk into that situation and I... Empty myself. Well, that's Jesus. You're right. It is. And Jesus said, follow me. Taking on the form of a bondservant, having been made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. Well, you know, I humble myself on a regular basis. You knew where I worked. You knew who I was married to. or You knew what I was dealing with. You'd know how humble I'd have to be just to be, keep my pulse going. Okay, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Alright, for this reason, also God highly... We've read this, we know this, we've hunted, and we know that every time we'll confess it, Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. And we sit there and we say, Amen, brother! Amen, brother! And I'm trying. Okay, but that emptying myself and all the rest of it. Alright, remember what I, that verse I gave you? It says, work out your salvation, how? With fear and trembling. That's verse 12. Okay? Verse 14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves blameless and innocent children. Did you see where that just fell in? Verse 14, right after verse 12 and 13, uh, that you will be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you have appeared as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Okay, we sit there and we say, that's just walking with Jesus. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I can handle that. All right. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. I started out with 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. He says, to Timothy, my genuine son of the faith. Look what it says. Verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to sin. What? Timothy to you shortly. Do you see where that falls? What did he just come out of? The attitude of Jesus Christ. The actions of the children of God. And I hope to send Timothy to you so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Verse 20 says, 
I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Verse 21. For they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, Timothy, his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of a gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust. Now, Paul's in prison writing this. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will also be coming. Well, that's Timothy. You know, he hung out with, you know, Jimmy Crickets. I mean, he hung out with Paul. Verse 26 says the same things of a guy named Epaphroditus. We are without excuse. Do I look out for the concerns of others as I do my own concerns? Apostle Paul said Timothy, when he wrote Timothy, 1 Timothy was written right after he was released from writing, he wrote the prison epistles. He had just been released and he wrote Timothy who was pastoring a church in Ephesus. And he wrote, to Timothy, my genuine child in the faith. Paul tells the church of Philippi, you better work out your salvation. Why? You had better start looking more like Jesus Christ. Why? Timothy does. Epaphroditus, your own apostle, he calls him. Epaphroditus, your messenger. Epaphroditus, the messenger from the church of Philippi. He looks like it. So when I'm exercising my wisdom, or my freedom, and I know the wisdom of my freedom, am I like Timothy? Can I be sent like Timothy? Ask yourself this. Can someone with confidence send you in their place because you would be a manifestation of Christ because that's what you learned from them? Because let me tell you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, each of us will do what? Stand before the throne of Jesus Christ and give an account of what we've done in the body of Christ. Did you get that? Do you know what the Great Commission is? Do you know that it doesn't say that the evangelists are supposed to do that? Do you know that it says that the pastor's not supposed to do that? That the elders are not doing that? That the bishop is not going to do that? That the preacher's not supposed to do that? Do you know who is supposed to make disciples baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Every child of God. Why? God gifts men. And he gives them gifted men to the body of Christ, the church. For what reason? The equipping the saints for what? Making disciples. Making disciples. That's the crucified self. That's the crucified self. 
Edification over gratification, others over self. Verses 23 and 24, 1 Corinthians 10. I got but one thing to ask you right now. How you doing? Are others more important than you? Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word. My brother Timothy Epaphroditus, Father and Paul, Father, my Savior, who set the path before us. Lord, I thank you for how you helped me in this. Father, I pray as gracious and merciful as you were to me in my own study of this, that, Father, you will help my brothers and my sisters grow also. Father, time is so precious right now. Lord, please help us. Father, let us redeem the time. Let us buy it back. And Father, may it be to your glory. Father, much has been given to us. Father, may we willingly lay our lives down, humble. Father, grasping nothing of this world, holding firmly, wholly to you and you alone, to your praise and your glory. In Christ's name, amen.